slash Renata. I'm Teresa and I'm a Jane slash Bonnie and we're here to talk about the trailer for season two of Big Little Lies. Um, we have to start by going back to Madeline Martha McKenzie because she is the heart and soul of this show. Um, so I want to know who the fuck is Warren and why does he think he can talk to Madeline this way? <laughs> <laughs> Like, honestly, is he from the first season, or is he completely new to us? I don't remember I think he's the superintendent. Or no, he's the principal. Is he, he the principal? He's the principal. He's the one that I said. Like, I like him. Remember, um, I, I, I offered to fuck him, I think. Yeah. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I think I said, we're including, we're including secondary characters. I was more interested in him. After who plays Warren, if yeah. you're <laughs> I just thought, like, he seemed to have more common sense and more... Um, Mm-hmm. more value than some of the other men that I was left to choose from. I mean, he's getting real bitchy with her in, like, ways that I would not imagine, like, a fancy school principal is allowed to talk to a fancy mom. Or anybody that knows Madeline Martha McKenzie <laughs> yeah. should know better than this. <laughs> like, are you really going to poke the bear? That's a bad idea. Well, I don't know. I feel like teachers and in an environment like this where you're dealing with these, like, high-key parents and everything mm-hmm. and... Uh, I, I feel like sometimes they can get stressed out and sassy. They gotta throw shade too. Yeah, I I remember. So when I was a senior in high school and my brother was a freshman, we had the same teacher, but for different subjects. And for some reason, this said teacher had to call my parents' house because obviously things were not going great for mm-hmm. either of us. <laughs> and uh, this guy, you know, this this teacher called my parents' house and was like, "Well, at least I only had to make one phone call." Mm-hmm. Like he made some sort of snarky mm-hmm. comment that, like, it, you know, despite the fact that he was wasting his evening calling, mm-hmm. you know, parents of kids, at least he only had to dial one number to complain about two so children. Got a sassy, self-aware, <laughs> right? Who's so willing to take on Madeline Martha McKenzie, so he must have a death wish. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I, I still like him, and I'm excited for him to kind of step up and do something. Because we saw him a lot in season one, sitting mm-hmm. there in the office with, you know, trying the, to... The, I think the thing that I'm having trouble reconciling is in, like, season one, he seemed snarky, but kind of, like, over it. Like, he was like, yeah. I don't e- why yeah. did I even take this job? He had an exhausted one, passive quality to him. Yes, and in this one, he sort of seems like he's going to throw himself right into the middle of the shit. It's almost and like the actor fights. has realized like yeah. what a hit show he's on. Mm-hmm. It's like I better step my told game his agent right. I, I need more lines. Yeah, I need better <laughs> lines, and I'm going to deliver with more gusto. No, I'm excited to see that kind of dynamic take place there. Um, so people also apparently think Madeline is unhinged, and Ed's only response is pretty much, "Is this evidence that this marriage is going down the shitter, or um, is I this hope just so. Ed being Ed?" Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, Madeline and Ed are better apart than they are together, and I think it would be really interesting to see the way those two characters develop and grow separately, because the relationship clearly is stagnant and not doing anything for either of them. Yeah, we have evidence by about season one. Ed, his and, face. and his face. You his hate face. his face, which can be seen in all its glory. Because the now he doesn't have the beard, because mm-hmm. he shaved it to be an Elvis impersonator, and then clearly mm-hmm. never. I would love to see that. him just have a spinoff where he goes off to Vegas to be like the next great Elvis impersonator, <laughs> and Madeline Martha McKenzie just thrives. They're going to need some serious auto-tune because that didn't even sound like a human voice in that episode. It was a mess. 
That um, would make that spinoff even better, though. It would. A failed Elvis impersonator. Mm-hmm. Even though I hate his face, I'd watch that. <laughs> so, Madeline, do we think she's completely reveling in the drama of season two, or is she stressed out by it like Bonnie seems to be? I think her instinct is to revel, mm-hmm. but I think the fact that now that she is this integral part of the drama and the stakes are so high, I think it's going to become the... The side effects are going to become real for Madeline. Yeah, this is real her. drama. Like, there mm-hmm. are cops involved. Yeah. But, I mean, we've dead. seen photos of her throwing ice cream cones at the back of Meryl Streep. So she's still acting she's still like messy. a child. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think that's bringing out the worst in her. Because now yeah. there's even more. There's just so much at stake here. Mm-hmm. And I cannot wait to see the context in which she's hurling ice cream at Meryl Streep. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see Reese Witherspoon's energy matched mm-hmm. by whatever Meryl Streep is bringing to the mm-hmm. table. I mean, but, that's uh, in these. Trailers. Meryl Streep is very low key. Yeah. She is speaking, very but she's got that Miranda Winsley like low, terrifying. She's slow. going like, in low and slow. Miranda and didn't raise her voice either, and she was terrifying as shit. So. But Miranda had more of an edge to her voice. This voice is almost like mm-hmm. monotone, mm-hmm. and it is that's the scariest it type is of voice. Terrifying, <laughs> and I am I am thrilled. I am thrilled. It's I think a, it's doubt meets Miranda yeah. Priestley. A it's scary Meryl that. Streep yep. is a great Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. So we're we're in for it and she has these great crazy dynamics to work with she also has what appears to be new teeth that are freaking me out uh straight up hocus pocus winnie teeth yeah you, i don't know you did happening. say that they kind yeah. of looked like bet midler and hocus pocus ish yeah mm-hmm. they i meryl streep has a distinctly non-glamorous look going mm-hmm. on here uh and that's interesting to make her the mom of perry with this I, I don't mm-hmm. know. That is not she. The way that she, she looks, looks very Midwestern and Perry yeah. looks very it was New so York. metropolitan yeah. and and uh, cosmopolitan and and chic. So I think it's going to be interesting to see to learn kind of about Perry's past. Yeah, I think it'd be really interesting to unpack where Perry came from. You know, there's mm-hmm. this show has been kind of setting up this whole like dysfunction causes dysfunction with the twins' behavior mm-hmm. and Perry's behavior. So you got to wonder if we're pulling one generation back whether there's going to be indications oh, of I'm violence. I'm smelling dysfunction right. off Meryl Streep yeah. in these trailers. That repressed, stoic, mm-hmm. buttoned up, everything's good. Mm-hmm. We keep it up appearances, but it's at the same time, like, I'm going to be relentless in the quest for the truth because there's no way my sweet baby boy Perry could ever have done anything that would warrant him being pushed down a flight of stairs. So, fucking Renata has been renamed the Medusa of Monterey. I'm here for it. Well, okay. And she's so doing you, glamorous photo shoots yeah. on her deck. <laughs> you had a real problem with the Scarlet Letter yes. reference Do in, I have a problem the, with in the teaser. Modern? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sort yeah. of, but I also think it kind of fits for Renata. Like Medusa has mm-hmm. always to me been more of like an allegory for women that are too much for men. And I, think I that agree Renata with that. Renata fills that archetype perfectly. I mean, she's too much for women of Monterey, mm-hmm. and she certainly seems to be too much for her male counterparts, Gordon, doesn't ever seem to really quite know what to do with Renata. So I think the fact that she's kind of leaning into that, like, stone-cold bitch. She definitely bitch, gets him hard. And let's be real, <laughs> stone-cold bitch literally comes from Medusa. Yeah, yeah. So I think that, like, she's going to be leaning into that. And you see her saying to the principal, whatever his name is, like, I'll squish you. And mm-hmm. I just think that, like, if Renata's really going to lean into that, like, 
we're calling it big Renata energy. Mm -hmm. Like big dick energy is a thing of the past. We're all about big Renata energy in 2019. The funny thing is I almost don't see Renata as a huge bitch. Like she seems Thank so. you. I've been saying this. Since <laughs> I, I find her incredibly annoying, but it's her insecurity that I find annoying. Like I can't deal with it. And like, she is all over the place and spraying it all over her kid and like causing issues for the kid that doesn't need to be there. So I don't think of her as a stone cold bitch. I she think of her as like a manic like, ADHD that right, she does yeah. like mean bitch. Like mm -hmm. Madeline can do mean bitch. Renata right. seems like it's just like she's a lot. Like yeah. Renata was able when Jane came to her, she didn't just shut her out in the first season. She was like Thank you for talking to yeah. me like a human. Yeah. Now I can talk to you because Madeline's not here to fuck shit up. I think Renata's always been that girl that other girls are intimidated by, so she hasn't had close female mm -hmm. friendships. But now that she's had this bonding experience, except for Harper, Harper, her Harper. hanger, her hanger on. Yeah. Hanger so on. Harper's always been a lackey. Harper yeah. Hasn't been Harper's evil. not a friend. And now that Harper, she's gone through, even though she says she's <laughs> her best friend, mm -hmm. but yeah. <laughs> Renata is, you know, she's powerful. She's smart. She's beautiful. Mm -hmm. She is, she's just that classic boss bitch, which I, I love. Mm -hmm. I she's love the that. HBIC. Exactly. Let's not forget these women have all gone through a traumatic experience and mm -hmm. there's that bonding based on mm -hmm. trauma and shared experience. I think this is probably one of the first times Renata has gone through anything with a group of women. Mm -hmm. I was going to say. Despite she, a traumatic This incident. is the first time she's probably in the, in in the click. So yeah. I'd like to see her kind of being like the pit bull, the like advocate for this group, the protector. Celeste might be more of like the silent type that's willing to like, you know, intellectualize all of it, be the lawyer. But Renata is really going to be like the vocalist, mm -hmm. the one she, in court objecting. Yeah, or she's going to be the one like doing the like press conference. Yeah, or well, that's like, what is Which, she doing that photo shoot? That for? is my next question. Yeah. What the hell is this photo shoot? She's dressed all like the grape ape and like she's got wind blowing through her hair. What? She looks great. Yeah. I'm envisioning it's like Better Homes or something yeah. with Monterey mm -hmm. and she's just like working it. But I would mm -hmm. love to think it's something like more Renata specific. Like, oh, I'm sure it's something like that. And I, I'm it's also like hoping. In that episode, or something. no, yeah. Well, it'll <laughs> be, be some iconic. sort of magazine where she's being featured mm -hmm. for her home or the her cover work of on the board of uh, yes. PayPal, mm -hmm. and that then a cop is going to come in to question her right when she's in the middle of the photo shoot. Like, I mm -hmm. feel like that's going to be a high moment for her. That somehow everything swirling around this mm -hmm. is going to pull it down. I'm excited for Renata to take more of a central role and to interact more with our core group that, you mm -hmm. know, Shailene mm -hmm. Woodley, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, because Laura Dern, let's face it, is one of the most talented actresses in yeah. the game. And to see her kind of really be able to cut her teeth alongside some of these Did other... you guys watch Enlightened? Yes, loved it. Very, I mean, she is like Renata without a yes, job in yes. that. She is like More so vulnerable. uncomfortable mm -hmm. all the time. Like you're just like, oh, oh, please stop. Like, you know, she's so, it's so good and so. I will have to check that out. I am a big Laura Dern fan mm -hmm. and I am excited she's having this renaissance. Another mm -hmm. one to look out for, this came out last year, mm -hmm. was The Tale which Laura Dern plays a woman who's revisiting a sexual trauma that happened in her mm -hmm. past. And it's all about how memory can misform things, which I think is kind of oh, pertinent for Big Little Lies. And I think that that exposition sort of informs some of this character that she's playing on Big Little Lies. Hmm. Worth it. Laura Dern, can't say enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, on a less serious note, um, does Steady Eddie seem more sarcastic and like he grew a backbone to you all of a sudden? Like he seen, you know, last time he was like, 
I won, I get to wake up next to the girl of my dreams, and now he's telling her that everybody thinks she's unhinged. Like, what's happening? I think that must be the case, because I'm more sexually attracted to him now. Than <laughs> <laughs> so that must mean something, right? He's now damaged. It's just the so lack of beard. <laughs> I just think it's the, the increase of sass. But I'm like, ooh, I don't know. I, I think we started mm-hmm. to see that as season one went on. Mm-hmm. He, you know, steps up to her and says he'll be nobody's second choice. He's... Mm-hmm. Uh, We're here for that character development. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's fighting back, and and Madeline would be a lot to, you know, just take and take and take for years mm-hmm. and not push back. So I do think like that he has reached a breaking point. Um. So Meryl is coming. Hashtag Meryl is coming. Look it up on all your social medias because we are trying to make this thing happen. Um, Stop it, make Meryl is coming. Happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the mean girls. Um. So. This bitch is calling the rape of Jane infidelity. Like, what is happening? Like, does she not know? Like, what do... Yeah. What does everybody think happened? Or is this bitch just crazy? Um, I... That... That, I thought, was a really telling moment in, in this trailer. Also, can I also say it never occurred to me, even though the kids are the same age and it makes total sense, that it happened while he was married to Celeste. Somehow I had not put that together. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. And while Celeste was going mm-hmm. through having miscarriages. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that that also explains why Perry's occupation requires him to travel abroad so mm-hmm. much. Oh. She doesn't have an understanding of really what he's doing. Right. I think that these business trips have been him having... Yeah. You know, he's like a serial rapist. Right. Yeah. Just, I think like, that that... And he I, can't get caught because he's raping in different parts of the world. Right, so yeah. it's not yeah. like he's committing the same crime in the same, you know, 50-mile radius. I think that that is something that's going to have to come out. But mm-hmm. why why Meryl Streep's, why, why Mama Perry mm-hmm. thinks that it's just infidelity mm-hmm. and uh, there seems to be this undertone of accusation mm-hmm. in how Meryl Streep is addressing these women. Well, think how much Perry had manipulated the expectations and the opinion of everybody else around him besides Celeste. Everybody was constantly saying in season one, oh, Perry's such a good guy. Mm -hmm. He's such a good father. I mean, that's what an abuser does. They make everybody seem Mm -hmm. like I'm the most charming, wonderful guy. So who's to say he hasn't done the same sort of thing to his mother? Well, or that his mother didn't abuse him. Right. Right. I think that there's, it's going to be probably a mixture of all of that. Because it feels like to me if there's going to be abuse in Perry's past... It's not coming from the father because the mother would be more sensitive to... Unless she has become so hardened Mm -hmm. to this and she just doesn't want to see it that way. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to be... For me, that's going to be the intrigue. Mm-hmm. I almost think it's more difficult if there is no backstory. If it right. is just a random, you know, this mm. is a violent person that was not born of violence. And just, I think that nature versus nurture question has mm-hmm. really been at the heart and soul of this show. And if mm-hmm. there is no backstory that neatly explains why somebody like Perry would become the way they are, I almost think that's more interesting because there's mm-hmm. a lot of the times you can't explain the origin of domestic violence. It just right. is a thing. Yes, I mean, he might have that serial killer triad of, like, a uh, head injury, bedwetting, yes. and animal killing. <laughs> a John Wayne Gacy. Yes, he's a, he's a Ted Bundy full show. Oh. Yes. <laughs> he's got that, like, weird hot energy that Ted Bundy had, too. Exactly. Yeah, creepy. Um, I wasn't aware, by the way, until very recently that Ted Bundy was a hottie. Could get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I only recently in all these documentaries 
did I know this? And then I learned that, you know, people are watching these documentaries and talking about how yeah. sexy he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess now knowing. Well, there's also monster. this meme out there that is like, you know, that Ted Bundy, like women are talking about how, te- how hot Ted Bundy is, but you know, he's a mix of like the seagull from like, Finding Nemo or something, and then, and then some other person that I don't remember, and I'm like, yes, that is the most accurate thing I've ever seen. Like when you see it together, that we should Google it, but we're not. We'll going stay to. tuned for our next yeah. podcast we'll dissecting <laughs> sexy serial killers <laughs> coming in the spring of 2020. P.S. Richard Ramirez was way hotter than Ted Bundy, and people need to get on that train. Also, the yeah. Mendes brothers, sexy. Yeah. Oh god. One no, of them. They're yeah. so one, one of them. Uh, Lyle. Like Lyle was the sexy one. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, yeah, I think I think it was Lyle. Also, yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer. Sometimes I don't know. In yeah. the right angle, in the mm-hmm. right light, could get it. Yeah. Hmm. We've All right. Gone, we've gone off the rails <laughs> yeah. here. Um, so Meryl's coming and Bonnie is falling the fuck apart. Like she is running fast through the woods and like her yeah. braids are not looking like she's keeping them up. And then like Bonnie all is sorts gone. of shit is happening to poor Bonnie. Um, is she going to like, can, does Bonnie have the mental stamina to live Keep up with this? these other women. <laughs> yeah, like she's too nice a person. Everybody else is a monster. Like I, I think that Bonnie has to be holding the most guilt because she is the one who actually mm-hmm. committed. She's the one who pushed, pushed Perry. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that that is a lot for everything that we know about her character and her kind of Zen mm-hmm. jewelry making yoga doing <laughs> gardening lifestyle. Like that has to be a big change to go from this kind of, very balanced existence to running up and pushing a man down a flight of stairs. (laughs) I also think, as we've said in previous episodes, that there is more to Bonnie than we've been given access to. I think Bonnie, there's a reason why she was removed from the main perspective Mm -hmm. and was always sort of peripheral player, despite the fact that Bonnie and Jane are the same age and Mm -hmm. you would have thought that they would have had the most in common and would have interacted. I think the fact that they've kept Bonnie on the sidelines and Bonnie's reaction to a situation she really wasn't involved in, was to get so involved that she ended up committing murder. Yeah. Implies that Bonnie's probably a better liar than we've been led to believe, and mm-hmm. she's got some serious skeletons in her closet. I think Bonnie's entire lifestyle was her coping with some sort of trauma yes. in the past. And and now with another with that trauma, is, yeah. that lifestyle mm-hmm. is just imploding, mm-hmm. and we're seeing her be unhinged in, in a Bonnie sense. Like, she's running. She looks disheveled. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bonnie senses she's, like, I get the vibe from her. She's someone that's used, like, self-care as a bandage for all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And now that that's sort of been stripped away and she's really got to confront yeah. a serious thing, like, the yoga's not cutting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bonnie is going to be, She needs sure. to see that therapist and her sweet-ass yes. couch and yeah. stop just trying to, like, use crystals or She is a character she that <laughs> she definitely be needs expecting crystals. a lot from in this season. I hope. Otherwise, I think Zoe Kravitz is completely underutilized, too, in the yeah. first season and has got a lot more to give in terms of an actress. And I mm-hmm. really hope that they do lean more into her chops because I think that she's yeah. been the untapped potential in the cast. I just want everyone to know that I have a bullet point here that just says her teeth because that's how upset I am about Meryl Streep's teeth. We don't need to talk about it again. I just <laughs> want everybody to Yeah, The wig is bad. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I don't know. I... I, did they make her more jolly? Is she more jolly? I think they're just not putting a lot of makeup on. Yeah. Like, I'm sure... I mean, Meryl Streep has aged nicely, like, naturally. But, you know, when you see her at the Oscars, like, she's got a full... Full face. Full face, and she looks like, you know... 
10 years younger, but they're trying to make her look dowdy, so they're not putting anything on there. Yeah, that's like the contrast between Celeste, who's got mm-hmm. this like incandescent, natural glamour, mm-hmm. with a mother-in-law that's on the frumpier, dowdier side, mm-hmm. is going to be a nice foil for the both of them. And I think that, you know, the, the casting directors have made some strong choices with that. I, I do think it's interesting because... You know, you mentioned uh, in in Devil Wears Prada. Her what is that character? Miranda Priestly. Miranda Priestly. Why was that slipping? <laughs> That's <my>? all. Yeah, <laughs> but Miranda Priestly had that terrifying quality, but was so glamorous. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that somehow made it. There, there was like that intimidation factor because of her glamour, and now to have her be really like frumpy, this frumpy but terrifying character. Mm-hmm. It's very. I don't know. The gloves are off. The masks are off. Yeah. Like a woman whose son is dead. And she know, as far as we know, she doesn't know anything about Perry's history. So she's just a mother that's trying to figure out what happened to her son and deal with the fact that she's got two grandsons that have been, you know, Mm -hmm. have no father now. I think either she's the reason why Perry is the way she is or she has no idea and she's going to end up like the sixth in the Monterey Five, mm-hmm. which is the hashtag of this season. This mm-hmm. Hashtag Monterey hashtag Five. Monterey Five. So I've got a list of random questions here and I'm going to start with what do Jane's bangs symbolize? We've learned in this one yeah, that she, that uh, Jane's had time to get her hair cut and she now has very blunt short bangs and I want to know what we're supposed to take away from this. Well, Alex, my roommate, says that every girl going through a breakup ends up with bangs. Oh. <laughs> I've so, had bangs my whole life, so what does that say about yeah. me? <laughs> I've had side bangs, so it's a non-committal, uh, maybe I just You're treading that line. Yeah, I'm treading. But um, I think, so you know, we, Alex and I were just talking about that with somebody the other day, and it made me think of this, and it's not so much, it, it's more that she's like breaking up with that, that, drama. The drama and, and trauma and this mm-hmm. this girl who was scared and living in this uncertain uncertain place where she didn't know who Ziggy's father was for sure and didn't know how that impacted Ziggy mm-hmm. and didn't know a lot of things. And now she's able to kind of part with that. And so in parting with that, she got bangs. You also mentioned that uh, she must... You mentioned a breakup. And... We see her making out with a new dude in this trailer who is not like... Where's Coffee Shop Boy? Yeah, Coffee Shop Tom, who's super sweet and appears to own a coffee shop. She's now making out with what appears to be like a 12-year-old surfer. What's yeah, that? he looks like an extra from Hobbiton, the Lord of the yeah, Rings. Yeah, exactly. Not here for it. And she had like sweet Tom. Tom maybe finally realized he was gay after all. Yeah, after yeah. All these years. Madeline was right. Um, I maybe. You know, maybe Jane is just kind of exploring options. I would love to see, mm-hmm. like, a sexually free Jane who's yeah. leaning into her femininity more. She's yeah. gotten a haircut. She's maybe, like, dressing more like her fabulous female friends. She mm-hmm. has female friends now. Mm-hmm. She's not, more than that, she's got accomplices. And, again, like, I think that, mm-hmm. like, this shared trauma <laughs> thing, that now they can all lean on each other in this really intimate way. They've got this secret that they literally cannot tell anybody mm-hmm. for risk of going to jail. I think that's probably going to, in a weird way, do some good things for so Jane. So is the guy she, is the one that she is making out with, is that the one who tells her, oh, you're part of the Monterey yes. guy? Yes. He's the one so. that names the hashtag. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of weird. And then you he see them making out. So he's like sort of like a true crime fan of hers, but also wants to make out with her. Oh, no. That's hot. He's probably just trying to make a podcast about her. Yeah. He is the... Oh, my God. It's gotten so <laughs> meta. <laughs> he is the podcaster who's just trying to get close to his mark. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great if the whole third season was just his podcast? Yes. I would listen to it. <laughs> I'd listen to it for I, Like, sure. they should make that. Marketing department at Big Little Lies, make that dude's podcast, we and we will listen to it. <laughs> Um, we also see a hippie wedding in this trailer. Whose wedding is this? My money's on Madeline and Ed. I think it's a flashback. Yeah, it does kind of look like a flashback because there's a little bit of haze to it. You think Madeline would have a hippie wedding? I think Madeline was a secret hippie in her life before and she straightened out. Isn't it that she was different before, like, when she was younger? Nathan does reference the fact that she had, like, the house, like, grounded for electromagnetic energy or some nonsense. Yeah. And she was a young mom. And she Mm -hmm. says, people always forget, I was a young mom, too. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, she might have had a different outlook on life There was a time before she got those dresses and those heels yep. and before she yep. started dressing like uh <laughs> 50s housewife yeah so the question is donna is reed ed to blame <laughs> like is, is the marriage to ed the thing that turned her into this sort of like stepward i think housewife? monterey is to blame yeah so we don't think madeline was from monterey originally i think she's from more of like a oh no, yeah i get the sense that madeline came from like more of a middle class working class family or yeah. something and mm-hmm. married up. yeah well, i don't think she i don't think nathan is a what does Nathan do? We gotta find. He's a landscaper. He's, he's a landscaper. So she's not marrying up by marrying Nathan. Well, no, but now she's married to Ed, and they who, get to live in right. Monterey. Okay. Who is a? So how did Nathan get to Monterey? He's a landscaper, and there's a lot of land to skate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie's yoga studio is super yeah. lucrative. Um, so I think we see a new teacher. We see a second grade teacher who's definitely and not he's Christine. Sexy. Yes. Like, and he so actually, between him and the principal, I'm gonna have some new men options. Can't we see this into the principal? I'm not really into them. I, I just remember like that's how I remember thinking like, well, that's such a Renata move of you to be in the authority figure. Yeah, <laughs> I am a Renata. Um, but so he seems to be trying to get the kids to actually like process. Like he's actually he's not just like letting them like oh try to murder each other. He's in not some a piece corner. of shit like yeah. the teacher from like, uh, first grade. Yeah, who was awful, just awful, messy. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think it's gonna be nice to see a, a different teacher who's mm-hmm. not, you know, he's, in, incompetent. He is also male and black, which in like se- the second grade teacher world, especially in Monterey, is like... I had a male second grade teacher. Did who you was black. Really? I did. He was not black. Oh. Uh, his name was Mr. Madsen. Mm-hmm. He was a giant. Shout yeah. out Mr. Madsen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he actually is still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a really, he was super a fascinating dude. I don't think there was a single male teacher in my elementary school. I had a male teacher for second grade, third grade, uh, fifth grade, and sixth grade. This is what Montessori school. The, yeah. <laughs> we yeah, no men anywhere near the campus. Yeah. Not yeah, this part is of the a, curriculum. Meanwhile, in my, like, you know, progressive high-end yeah. suburb. Well, you're also a Boston suburb where, yeah. like, there's probably more young men to... Uh, they were all old men, take too. Them, really? I think yeah. the biggest takeaway, which answers one of our questions for the end of sort of the season, is what's going to happen with the kids, because obviously kids mm-hmm. age up pretty fast, and we were dealing with the mm-hmm. end point was allegedly midway through the school year I think we kind of sussed out so we've, we're dealing with a pretty significant time jump if they're saying in the trailer it's second grade so we're dealing with the whole summer has passed mm-hmm. part of the spring 
The kids obviously do look older. Mm-hmm. I think the casting of these kids is remarkable, by the way. Max sure. and whatever the other kid, Josh, yeah. looks so much like Alexander Skarsgård in this mm-hmm. trailer. And they didn't look that much in the first season, but now that they've matured a little bit, it mm-hmm. blew my mind how much they looked like Yeah, them. I am anxious to see the kitties and, and where they're at. Um, the... The kid, I was shocked to find out that Ziggy is young Young Sheldon. Sheldon. Amazing. (laughs) That blew my mind. Because I I feel like I always have really facial recognition for actors and everything. Like, I'm always like, oh, that person, they were in this and this and that and that episode of Law and Order SVU. And, you know, but like for some reason, this kid, I mean, I don't watch young Sheldon, Mm -hmm. but I, you know, you see the trailers. Mm -hmm. And when I found that out, I was, I was really, really. Shook by that. He's also apparently really into theater, according yes. to his Twitter account. That, right. Um, he does, like, Instagram. a YouTube video, right, of, like, theater reviews. Oh. Where he was doing that for a wow. while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Very Avenue precocious. Q really, really put him Once you edge. see puppets fucking, it's <laughs> just game over. <laughs> he thought all that was theater their would be that fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so... Do we think there's going to be another murder mystery to anchor the season, or is it all just about evading the law? I would imagine if we're going to get anything, it's either going to happen towards the end, like we had in season one, or it's going to be a flashback thing. Like we're dealing with, you know, unpacking Bonnie's past or unpacking Perry's past and dealing with some sort of violence. You don't Maybe think they have that to off Meryl. I was so going to say, do you don't think Meryl, Meryl finds it out and they've got to cover You don't their... think Mama Perry is in danger? <laughs> Tie up some loose ends? I, I don't know. I feel like that could be. Uh... That could well, we still something. have the gun in or, contention. And, and also, Mama Perry could be a suspect. Like, she could be mm-hmm. there to get revenge. So, you mentioned the gun, so I'm going to skip ahead a couple questions. Because, first of all, I want you to explain Chekhov's gun to people who aren't nerds. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the shade. Um, Chekhov's gun is a principle that was outlined by Chekhov, actually, in a letter. And that was this idea that you can't bamboozle the reader by introducing useless plot devices. So Mm -hmm. if you're going to introduce a gun, the gun's got to get fired. Mm -hmm. And for me, like, this whole first season when Jane had this gun that she was flipping around, I was like, Mm -hmm. either the writers are fully trolling me and other nerds, or they're going to use this gun. And I have a feeling they're going to use the gun. I just think... It served too much of a purpose. It became sort of its own character. And we actually kept talking in the first Mm -hmm, season mm -hmm. about, like, okay, who's on Jen, uh, Jen, Jesus, Jane's hit list this week. Mm -hmm. I do think that is going to be a factor. I think the other Chekhov's gun is the water. I think we've been seeing these Mm -hmm. these cliffs and the raging waves. You know, we're never getting shots of the water and it was calm and something you could lounge and swim in. It's always been like a violent wave against a violent wall Mm -hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if that comes into play in some significant way because we've been getting a lot of extra footage of that that doesn't really Mm -hmm. serve a purpose of it although i did think it was interesting that you know madeline there's that like nightmare of madeline getting pushed over the cliff Mm -hmm. by a puppet and yeah renata (laughs) foreshadowing baby (laughs) dramatic irony so yeah and and all these cliff shots that danger of you know these precarious cliffs that you could just fall off of or that somebody could get pushed off of. And, I mean, somebody does die getting pushed, but it's not off a cliff. There's metaphorical value, yes, but I do think they have... If you're going to just, like, keep using that as a recurring metaphor, like, washing away of your past and the violence Mm of natural experience, I think that that is all well and good, but... It's been, like, the central marketing motif. I mean, they're using the waves and the water imagery in all of their marketing material. I just feel like that is intentional. So do we think the talking heads are going to return in this season? And if so, what could they possibly be talking about at this point? Good question. Mm-hmm. I kind of hope they do because I feel that they 
they are a great little uh, kind of comedy relief mm-hmm. in some ways. And also sort of they, they really kind of help push the plot along with all these little, you know, even if they're taking you, even if they're saying things that are wild accusations mm-hmm. and not where you're actually going. I think that it does offer... It, it offers something. so And I think it kind of gives continuity because that was such a big yeah. part of the styling of mm-hmm. the show and the editing and everything. It would be very jarring it, if they tr- transitioned away from that. And mm-hmm. I do think it humanizes the plot. I mean, let's be real. like This is not the most relatable environment yeah. for the average American watching this show. And there's also some, some absurd things going on. And the fact that we can kind of pull back from that and have these like every man speak for us and say exactly kind of what we're thinking. Well, and the the investigation is still going on clearly. Yes. So there are still going to be interviews with I'm I'm assuming that they're still trying to get what happened. Right, but one of my sort of the things I the thing I found weird a little bit about the Talking Heads in the TV show was that it seemed like they didn't even know who was murdered at times, like because they were leading you down such weird paths that it was like, are you suggesting that Jane killed Harper? Because we right. y- because there once is a you know, chance Perry that depending on when they were brought in for questioning, if it was that night, although mm-hmm. none of them were in their costumes, but right. there is a chance that they didn't reveal who the victim was mm-hmm. initially. And unless you were right there, you might have known that someone was dead, but not know. Because mm-hmm. occasionally, I mean, police do pull stunts like that where, so to get... Just, we're just here asking questions. Yeah. We're going to have a couple episodes following this talking about the book, and the book does address this, yeah. why the Talking Heads exist, even mm-hmm. though the book does not give you an explanation until the very end as to why, and the book functions the same way. You have mm-hmm. Talking Heads intersplicing the narrative in a way that at first was very jarring, but then I got kind of just like you do with the show when it mm-hmm. first starts like wait why are these randos interjecting the drama like mm-hmm. I don't want to see these basics when I could be dealing with Nicole Kidman <laughs> thank you but I, I do think it serves a purpose and I would be shocked if they abandoned it in this season yeah. it would be weird so do we think the hashtag Monterey 5 are actually going to get along with each other are they just going to fall back into their bitchy ways and their old hatreds and like start fighting amongst themselves I mean, I kind of hope so. Yeah. It'd be kind of boring <laughs> if they all just get along the whole time. It would be nice to see like them working together, but mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to come at like, a complete kumbaya moment. No, I think that moment on the beach at the mm-hmm. end of season one, I think that they are going to be closer and they have something that ties them together, but I think they're... they're I think they're what still fundamentally is, different people. They, yes, and I think yeah. and what ties them together is so complicated and complex and dramatic and traumatic that they're going to have... That's going to cause... Um, yeah. Descent. I can definitely see Madeline just being like, Bonnie, pull your shit together. Yeah. I can't deal with this. Like, we're all in the... Suck it like, up, Why are you freaking out when we're all, you know, on the line here? It yeah. also could turn very easily into a infighting, we're going to pin this on somebody that's not mm. on the same page. Or if mm-hmm. Bonnie, you know, her conscience gets to her and she says, I'm going to confess, and the rest of the women don't want that. I could see tension kind of... I think that way. it's going to be interesting to see the dynamic between between Celeste and Jane now. Mm-hmm. I just want Celeste to be their lawyer. That's mm-hmm. literally all I care about. Is Celeste yeah. going to start practicing the law and defend like, all of them yeah, in court? I would like Celeste mm-hmm. to kind of... Realism be damned. We That's do what have I want. something that looks like a courtroom scene, but it's Renata that we see. And I would so love it's like, is that. she just in court for work <laughs> and they're trying to make us think everybody's on trial? Or I mean, I, I would love know. if this turned into like a good fight. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Spinoff. If like Diane Lockhart yeah. is like representing them, that would be my yeah. ultimate dream. Maybe Allie McBeal will be resurrected. Great. And uh, I, I think we don't ever need Allie McBeal resurrected <laughs> or the dancing baby or anything. Maybe our next podcast should be about Allie McBeal. Allie McBeal's career, her later in life career yeah. after the show ended. <laughs> Actually, when Allie McBeal was on, I was I was young and I it made oh, me God, think I, I wanted that. to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought she was really cool. And then I later went back and rewatched Allie McBeal and I realized mm-hmm. this is a disaster. Yeah, it makes no sense. Right. Um. So who do we think Meryl is actually coming for? Because you'd think, like, she's, like, seems to be staying with Celeste, so she can't just... And we see in the first teaser, not this trailer, but the first teaser that they put out, that she's kind of like, all of a Madeline's girl, like, you're... I'd ask you, but you're not going to tell me the truth. Like, who's she coming for? I think Madeline is an easy target because Madeline likes to provoke people, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that she's not going to hold you, back on. Meryl. If you observed this group of women and you were trying to look for answers or looking for the alpha that you can go after to make them break, you obviously would choose Madeline. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Meryl, the Meryl Street Mama Perry, is clearly looking for answers and just kind of making you know. She's just throwing darts wildly in the dark and mm-hmm. seeing what sticks. She, We do also hear her say to someone who I assume is the detective, like, you don't believe my son died by accident or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so is the detective... Well, I guess it makes sense that the detective is the one planting ideas in her head. That maybe she comes to stay with Celeste to help take care of the boys when she goes back to work. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, shit, these bitches killed my little boy we also don't know what perry's been saying to his mother i mean perry could have been setting himself up so if he ever was exposed he'd already planted seeds of doubt about Mm -hmm. celeste in his mother's i mean you know mothers and sons are a twisted Mm -hmm. weird relationship 99 percent of the time so Mm -hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if he had laid some foundational groundwork to cover his ass if he ever got exposed Mm -hmm. because let's be real i think it's pretty clear that perry has been whatever he did to jane he has done to other people. This whole yeah. business trip thing is just a facade for him going off and just being a serial rapist. Mm-hmm. So he had to have some sort of contingency plan if any of these things caught up to him. He's too smart of a guy <laughs> not to. Yeah. So I wonder if he positioned his mom to think, you know, something had been going on with Celeste that required him to be defensive. I don't know. I, I think Perry's smarter than we give him credit for, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I think that Mama Perry is... Uh, I think she's going to be the instigator this season mm-hmm. for a lot of stuff. For the drama? Yeah. She's going to bring the drama. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Well, on that note, we will see you for season two. Facebook, and visit our website at thebiglittlepodcast.com.